2: Wait,
0: what are
2: we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up Network. I'm your host, Rubino.
0: And I'm DJ Earn, man.
2: What's up, boss? How you doing?
0: I'm good, man. How you doing?
2: Blessed, bro. Yeah. Blessed. That's, that's, That's been my response. Blessed, grateful. You know my attitude is gratitude. Always. Yeah, I don't want to go any further. (laughs) (laughs) You know, last episode, they had me quoting Kanye lyrics to express how how Uh, much gratitude I had. So uh, I'm not doing that this episode. Um, (laughs) But yeah, man, if this is your first time, tuning in. As I stated, this is the Up and Up podcast. This is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements, right? Um, People who are carving lanes, right? Pioneers in their own right. Uh, making a way for those currently here as well as those coming from behind, the next mm. generation, right? Mm. Um, and you know we always got to shout out the family members, right?
0: Always. Always, man. Always.
2: Some people call them listeners. We call them family, right? Yes, sir. Um, so for those of you out there, man, the supporters, the, uh, the viewers, the listeners, you know, anybody who's been tapping into the movement, not just the podcast but the Up and Up platform as a whole, salute to you. We appreciate you. We love you, and we thank you, right? Yes, sir. Um, and if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the family, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Feeling good, man. How you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling great. man. We got the people in the building. Shout out to everybody who's here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Show love. Um, now, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, as I stated, what we focus on here is storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and getting into the journeys and, and things of that nature. And we love bringing amazing people up here. Um, and <clears throat> I'm excited because today's guest, um, is someone who I would say truly exemplifies what it means to be a champion. Um, in all aspects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's definitely someone who has and will be continuing to inspire the champion in all of us, right? Yes, sir. Um, definitely a true culture cultivator who's keeping everything he's doing on the up and up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, and since arriving here in Seattle in 2011, this brother has went on to make history, um, in contributing and being a part of one of the most legendary runs in NFL history, um, as well as Seattle sports history, right? Um, he's a Super Bowl champion, uh, two-time Pro Bowler. Um, and, and, just to go further in case y'all don't know, um, this man actually holds the record for having the second most touchdown receptions in Seahawks franchise history, as well as third most receiving yards and receptions in Seahawks history. Right. Yeah. Um, and furthermore, most recently he was actually recognized for the 2021 Seahawks legend of the year award. Um, in where he was being recognized for not only him, but his team's efforts and contributions in helping keeping our communities uplifted and supported. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go on and on, right? Oh, yeah. But um, to be honest, man, this brother means a lot to the city of Seattle as well as the state of Washington and all of us here. Um, and we're honored to have him here in the building today, man. Like, I even, I even had to bring out the <laughs> – I had to bring it out, man. i said, don't let the hammer yeah. fool you. We ain't here to play <laughs> games though, right? Uh, <laughs> but our our guest is none other than the young legend himself, Doug Baldwin Jr. Can we get a round of Yeah. Give it up, give it up.
3: That's so, a warm welcome. How you doing, bro? I'm doing. I'm blessed. Yes. I'm blessed. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you.
2: man. It's a pleasure to have you, boss.
3: It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate yeah, you pleasure, guys man. inviting me.
2: Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, now, we always start our show off with a quote of the day, right? Something to get the vibe right, get the mood right, get the conversation started. And uh, Brother Man Irm here is the man with the quotes. Got you, got you, they, they got don't you. let me. They don't let me tell quotes up yeah. here. <laughs> one day, man. Don't no worry. Come, I got you one day. They cut me off. What All you right. got for us?
0: So the quote of the day is, change is inevitable. Change will always happen, but you have to apply direction to change. And that's when it's progress.
2: Mm. Who's that quote by?
0: Doug Baldwin himself, man. I went to school with a brother like that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love that, man. I love that. Do you want to? Can you run that quote back for me one more time? Yeah,
0: I got you. I'll run it back. Um, so the quote is: "Change is in, is inevitable. Change will always happen, but when you, but you have to apply direction to change, and that's when it's progress."
2: Mm. I love it, man. I love it. I think. Um, well, well, speaking of change, and we we usually bring in the quotes obviously because it kind of sets the tone for the conversation, right? Um, and, and before we get into the journey and all that, I, I really feel like. At least the last couple years has been a journey for all of us in a sense right and in our own rights and um for you for you and and, you know yourself um i guess through all the ups and downs that we all kind of face but like what would have been some of the biggest takeaways for you in terms of like the last couple years
3: yeah that's a great question i don't know if it's uh like a takeaway but it kind of affirmed what i what i i want to say i already knew what i already believed Mm -hmm. right was just the essence of love Mm -hmm. um i'm raising two two daughters right now and so you know, going through the pandemic and really being forced to spend a lot of time with them, um, and then also with my wife, and then we got a third on the way. Mm, congrats! Thank you, thank you. It's a blessing. But it, the thing that's probably come out of this to me that's reaffirmed is that it's lo- it's about love. Mm. And I and I notice like usually when I say that, people just like, oh, it's, you know, it's a lot of fluff. Yeah. But I really mean that. Like I look back, I reflect back on my time as a child and the things that I'm. Seeking and searching for now as adult, and more so being able to, to you know reflect back on like what my parents were doing at the mm-hmm. time. Now that I'm a father and looking at my children and saying, okay, how do I be the best father for them? Mm-hmm. Right, and the answer is always love. Mm-hmm. It is always love, and mm-hmm. I can't like even I'm I'm a debater, right? Uh, you tell me something, if it's wrong, I'm gonna figure out why it's <laughs> wrong, <laughs> and we're gonna debate about yep. it, right? But when it comes to love, the argument about love, is like, it's always the answer. And I can't find an answer the opposite of it. No, that's real. And so just going through the pandemic and a lot of the things that we've been dealing with in society in general, mm-hmm. to me, the answer has always been love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's the past few years that's really been uh, reaffirmed for me. Yeah,
2: no, that is real. I th- and I think it's like sometimes we need those affirmations. It's It's sometimes like. Usually, those cliche things yeah. are actually all that matters sometimes. Yep. But we we kind of neglect them because cliche for a reason. Mm-hmm. People are tired of hearing about it, but if you just stop and listen, yeah, you'll realize it's true. People so been saying them for a reason. Yeah, too. Yeah. No, that's real. Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, um, I, I did kind of want to get your kind of quick initial thoughts. Obviously, um, elephant not elephant in the room, elephant in the city, I guess. <laughs> um, we we with uh, Russell Wilson being traded and kind of. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of putting the cap or in on that chapter um, in that era, which you had a major part in playing um, a hand in. Um, what were some of kind of your quick initial thoughts on like that that whole situation or when it happened?
3: Um, I mean, at the foundation of it, it's just sad. Mm. You know, um, from being in the locker room and understanding the, you know, everything that it takes to get to that mountaintop. Um, and then, to cultivate a culture, a winning culture where you go to the Super Bowl, you go to another one and you cultivate this culture of family, what you guys talk about mm-hmm. on this podcast mm-hmm. like you know that's that's real in that locker room. Mm-hmm. It was real in that locker room mm-hmm. i can 't speak for it now because i 'm not there, but you mm-hmm. know when we were there that 's what it was, mm-hmm. and I know from the outside perspective, it may look at like oh you guys were fighting all the time, arguing all the time ain 't that what family does yeah that 's real exactly you know that 's real yeah. like. If you care about somebody and they and they're fucking up, excuse me, I'm sorry. is just a family No, oh, You're good. You're, you're good, bro. Okay. Yeah. If you family with somebody, if you care about somebody and they're fucking up, you're going to tell them, right? Yeah. That's real. Because you care about them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I know from the outside perspective that's always what it, you know, that's always the conversation that anytime I talk about the Seahawks or Russ or anybody else, like mm-hmm. it's always about that. But it's when I look at what what has transpired, it's really sad mm-hmm. because we had a culture of like you come in, it doesn't matter if you're a first round draft pick or you're an undrafted cat, mm-hmm. you are part of the family. Yep. But you're gonna be held accountable to the standard that we set. Mm. Yeah. And that's what family does. Mm-hmm. And so for it to fall apart the way that it has, and I gotta be honest, a lot of us kind of felt like it was moving in that direction. Mm. Um, but it's it's still, at the end of the day, even though it happened, it's still sad because yeah. it's the end of an era, mm. right? There's so many memories, so many good things that came out of it, but so many good things that could have even gone further than, you know, but, um, but it is what it is, you know? And I think he went to a great destination and, and, um, in Denver, they got a great team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, wish him the best. And I think the Seahawks, like they're, they're realizing some things too right now Mm. and they got to get back to what, um, what made them successful. And I think they're doing that. Yeah,
2: no, definitely. And I think, um, it's, it's, it's part of, it's kind of part of like part of sports, right. Um, when we watch sports, like, you know, I'm a huge Laker fan and like, you know, we've seen some transitions, right, when yeah. Shaq left and things of that nature. Um, and I think the, it's always different from a fan's perspective and a player's perspective, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think a, the overall consensus has been people just wish him the best, you know, yeah. um, because, like you said, it, like back to that love thing, man, like the love that was created in the city through what you guys have done um, is undeniable, you know, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. trumps anything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so right. uh, I kind of want to take it back now. Uh just kind of talk about your upbringing, mm. you know, growing up in Florida and stuff like that. Yeah. So Gulf Breeze? Well, you wanna where you wanna start? Man, you can start <laughs> wherever, bro. Oh uh, man, so
3: yeah, I grew up I grew up in Gulf Breeze, well, let me back up. So both of my grandparents, my grandfathers, they were military in the okay. military. So my my dad's side, he was in the Navy, my mom's side, he was in the Air Force. Okay. So in the area I grew up in in Fort Walton Beach, that was the biggest Air Force base there, right? So that's where my grandfather ended up on my mom's side staying. And then in Pensacola, that's where my dad ended up, my Yeah, my dad, his family ended up because there was a Navy base there. Mm. And right in the middle was Gulf Breeze, Florida. Got you. That's because, you know, so that we could get to both families Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's why we ended up there. Um, It was a hell of a time. Yeah, (laughs) I bet. It was a hell of a time. I mean, if you think about, I mean, most people, when they think about Florida, they think about, like, Miami, Orlando, Jacksonville. That's not where I'm from. Mm -hmm. I'm from the panhandle. Mm -hmm. Uh, My family, they call it L.A., lower Alabama. Okay. is really what it is um and it's not um it's not the most progressive area in Florida okay you know and not to say that Florida is progressive at all you know <laughs> but uh that area is not as progressive when i say progressive i mean more like you know liberal mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. um and so i had my challenges as a black male growing up in that area mm-hmm. and then my my father he spent 35 years in the police force mm-hmm. in Pensacola Florida so you can imagine as a black man mm-hmm. In that time, on the police force, yeah, he went through a lot of stuff as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, she was, uh, she's half Filipino, half black, mm-hmm. and when she was growing up, uh, the black girls didn't really accept her because she was too light skinned, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then. The other side didn't accept it because she was too Mm dark-skinned. And so my mom had a whole bunch of stuff going on. And so I got, I'm in the middle of all this, right? Yeah. And now as an adult, I'm getting, I'm able to reflect back on the experiences that they had Mm -hmm. and think about, okay, that's why my mom made those decisions. Mm -hmm. That's why my dad was like that, Mm -hmm. right? And then being able to see myself and observe and say, okay, what are the changes that I want to make? Or what are the things I want to take from that and build upon and then share with my daughters as they grow up? Yeah. Um. So it was a hell of a ride, yeah. but I'm I'm really grateful for the experience, and I'm really grateful to be in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, hey. no,
2: I, I, <laughs> I, I'm curious too because I I did remember um I I'd seen an interview you spoke on kind of the influence of your grandmother, yeah, um and, and being Filipino and yeah, um you know like we're 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 both Eritrean and um and uh, you know there's a lot of first generation immigrants you know here, and I think that's an experience that maybe sometimes you don't understand when you're a kid, right? You just go through it or you go through it and whatever comes with it comes with it. But as you said, when you get older, you realize how just how important and monumental it was. But can you, can you kind of speak on like what that was like kind of experiencing like different cultures, right. In the household and still having to come out and be seen as one thing only, (laughs) you know?
3: Yeah. I mean, my grandmother, she was, uh, she's Filipino. So Mm. she is, um, in that whole culture, that whole tradition of, of, of her upbringing that's, it's ingrained in me, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, I mean, the lumpia, the Poncet, the chicken adobo, yeah. you know, there's, I don't eat balut, but that's, uh, you know, that's yeah, in yeah. there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she grew up in Dulac Leyte, the barrios of Dulac Leite, which is basically, it's the slums. Okay. And so, um, you know, she's, she got, <laughs> she got some shit to her too. Yeah. You know? yeah. And she's, she's had to overcome a lot. And, I love her to death, but she's hard to live with <laughs> just because of that, you know. Yeah. Um, but she she's an incredibly strong woman, strong-minded, strong-willed. Yeah. And, you know, more so than just the tradition and the culture that she brought, she brought that mentality to our family, mm-hmm. you know. Um, my mom is, is incredibly strong-minded and strong-willed because of my of, of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly strong-minded and strong-willed because of my grandmother, right. And so it's not just, uh, you know, the, the – the, she was a devout catholic so that's kind of like where the I'm I'm a recovering catholic I'll say that mm-hmm. uh but that's kind of where my introduction to faith began got right got you got you so my grandmother had an incredible influence on my life and who I am today and obviously um the father that I am to my children yeah but um yeah I mean it, I I'll say this it wasn't um it wasn't as relevant to me about the um the mixing of my culture mm-hmm. right until I got a little bit older mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm on the football team and they talk, they call me light skin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> Cause you know, in Florida, yeah. you're black. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, whether you're light skinned or dark skinned, yeah, you're black. You're black yeah. <laughs> so it, it was just a different experience. And then, so getting older and realizing like, you know, I can mm-hmm. embrace that part of my culture and talk about it more. And then I obviously as an adult reflect on how it's impacted yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's been it's been critical to to uh, my progress as a human. Yeah. but also the intentions of of me being a father. Yeah, you know, yeah that's a big part.
2: And I think I think those are like subtle privileges that we don't re- recognize as privileges. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. until like later on. Yeah. Um. Now you did mention football, right? And uh, <laughs> so I like, didn't, but you did. <laughs> um. So kind of getting started in in football early on, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Like let let's take it say like high school, like when did you start playing? When did it start become something you really wanted to jump into? Nah, I
3: started playing when I was six years old. Okay. Yeah, that was my first um my first interaction with football was the uh, terrible field on the back end of the Salvation Army that my mom worked at. So mm-hmm. she worked in the front end at the administrative part of it. And in the back end there was like a, a community program, summer program. Mm-hmm. And they ran all kinds of uh athletics out of there. So basketball, T ball, Uh, obviously football. So football was my first, that was the first introduction um, to sports. And so my first year, six years old, I quit. Mm. Yeah, I quit. It was too hot. Yeah, And I I didn't like getting hit. Right. And then, so the following year, my mom was like, she said, do you want to try out again? I was like, yeah, I'll try out. And she told me, she said, well, if it gets too hot or you don't want to get hit, I'm not going to let you quit this time.
1: Mm.
3: Mm -hmm. All right, whatever. So we go out there and same thing, it's too hot. (laughs) And I had like, we had some dudes who played football, yeah, right mm-hmm. like before, but when I got there, I was kind of like the new kid, yeah, um, and i'll I'll list off names, but you'd be it uh, is pretty incredible how many guys we had, but um, I wanted to quit again, and my mom wouldn't let me, and then that year we we ended up going to the championship game, mm-hmm. and I made the three final tackles, and one of the, the last one was the game saving tackle, wow. we ended up winning the championship. Um, And then my entire career at Little League Football, we won every uh, city championship except for two. Wow. Yeah. And that still weighs on my heart. Wow. (laughs) I
2: mean, man, that's the essence right there. Yeah. So that's
3: where where it all started. Salvation Army, Southern Youth Sports Association. Mm -hmm. Um, And then went to high school. And that was a different experience because the kids I was playing with in high school, those are the kids I played against in Little League. Right. And so they had a preconceived notion of who I was. Mm -hmm. Right. And then same situation with my mom like because I was um I, I spent most of my time playing sports in Pensacola mm-hmm. you know now I'm going to school at Gulf Breeze High School mm-hmm. I wasn't like really accepted by either yeah. group right because yeah. I live in the Gulf Breeze yeah. playing in Pensacola yeah. but I played in Pensacola in black yeah and now I'm Gulf Breeze and right?
2: there's and then there's a lot to factor into when it comes to like at that age like you you kind of want it's, to it's hard to just jump in and and fit in. Right. Yeah. Um, especially in sports, you know, sometimes yeah. these kids have been playing together up until high school and they yeah, kind of, you absolutely. Know, they already have their family made and created. Mm. Um, now, now, um, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, I feel like there's, there's elements of, of, of people as, as teens in, in, in their younger years that play major roles in their current success. Right. Mm. Um, as adults. And, um, speaking of your high school football experience, Um, your former high school coach, Chris Namath, right? Mm -hmm. I I read somewhere where he mentioned when he was describing you, he said he wasn't always the tallest, wasn't always the biggest, but he always been a I-want-to-prove-you-wrong guy. He enjoys and relishes in proving people wrong. So, like, where did that mentality come from and why? I guess why did that occur?
3: Yeah, you know, um, I've had a lot of time to reflect on who I am as a man and what has got me to this point because – you know, I, I think from a fan's perspective, everybody sees all the glitz and in the in the glamour, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you made it to the NFL. But well, people don't realize, like, there's a dark side to that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In order to play in the NFL and to be good at the NFL, you got to have some shit wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. You really do. Um, to put yourself through that, what we put ourselves through, like, you got to be crazy in some ways. So. Yeah. And so when I w- stepped away from the game and I'll be honest with you it took me 8 months to like kind of get healthy again. Mm-hmm. I was I w- I'm not a doctor but I would say I was clinically depressed after I left the game. Mm-hmm. And so I took a lot of time multiple therapists just reflecting on like okay what why why am I feeling this way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um and what I realized and what I believe to be true mm-hmm. is that it was from my childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like there was there was an I was in an environment that wasn't necessarily safe. It wasn't healthy. And my outlet to try to control my environment was football. Mm -hmm. Right. And when anybody said that you couldn't do this or I couldn't do that, like it was it was basically saying that you can't be safe. Yeah. You Mm. know. Yeah. And I'll fight you to be safe. That's real. You know what I mean? That's real. And that's and look, it could. You see me on the football field making great catches, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, great job. Like, yes, I have perfected my craft and I wanted to master it. But the motivation behind that, mm-hmm. right, that's something that I had to deal with mm-hmm. and get healthy with because, you know, we, and we see it. When people leave the game, they struggle mm-hmm. because they're dealing with that, that trauma that they've never like actually unpacked. Yeah, And so I had to unpack that. I knew it was coming. Um, my wife is incredible. She's just an amazing human being mm. and helped guide me through that. Yeah. And then obviously some incredible, um, some incredible therapists, mm-hmm. but it took me a lot to realize that. And that's, that's really what it came down to. Okay. And I know, you know, coach Nemeth and I, we have great conversations about that even to this day, but, mm. um, he was one of the first people who kind of, I think recognized that in me, mm. you know, not only just as a trait for football, but also like, what is, what is this about your character? Mm. Uh, and so that, you know, obviously that resonated with me even to this day, yeah. which is why I go and reflect on it.
1: Yeah.
2: No, that's for real, man. Um, thank you for sharing that in terms mm-hmm. of, like, connecting connecting it. Because I think sometimes, like, when I read the quote, it was like, oh, okay, like, uh, like people think, like, as athletes should, like, yeah, go ahead, prove people wrong. Yeah. Go go against the resistance and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But there's more to it than just that, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you shared that because I think there's a lot of people who kind of what's working for them may not necessarily be. Healthy for them. Healthy for them, right? Yeah. So that's that's real, man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so
0: um, were there, like, growing up, were there, like, any other things you were interested in outside of football? Yeah, actually, I loved playing with Legos. Mm. I loved building
3: Legos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would – my my mom, she would go to um, garage sales every weekend. Mm-hmm. And when she would find Legos, she would buy them for me, and we'd dump them in this big plastic container. And on the weekend, sometimes I would just dump them out in the middle of the floor, and I'd just be playing Legos the mm-hmm. whole weekend. Mm-hmm. So I actually wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. Wow, yeah wow. That, I had no idea what that really meant. To be <laughs> with you. But that's what I told myself I wanted to be coming out of high school, and I, actually, I really wanted to go to Georgia Tech, um, but Georgia Tech didn't recruit me. I sent them my highlight tape, no call back, mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah. um, but I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer, so I was really big into engineering, big mm-hmm. in, big in into building things, and even still to this day, so th- those same Legos, like when I was eight, nine, ten years old. I got those, they were still at my mom's house. I shipped those up to Seattle, so they're at the house now. Nice. I play oh, wow. with them with my little my, my yeah. daughters, right? Yeah. So it's just, um, I don't know, that's that's something I've always been fascinated with and yeah. still to this day.
2: Nah, man, that's I think, dope. man, everything plays a role. Everything plays a role, yeah. bro. I, I, and sometimes you have to, ref- that's why I think reflection is just super key, yeah. you know, because we can't just go through life thinking that we're not writing stories, right, True. in our own books, and our own our own journeys. So, um now you didn't go to Georgia Tech, right? Um, <laughs> you actually decided to come to the West Coast, yeah, right, and, and yeah. attend Stanford and and play there. And, and I think um, for a lot of you know collegiate athletes, um, it, it's, it's a development period, right? Like you go for through sure. and you you obviously go into another level um, physically. But um, what was that experience like for you? I guess going through Stanford. Obviously, you guys won the Orange Bowl and. Mm-hmm. Like But like you said, on the surface, it looks one way. Um, I guess what were some of the things you learned the most through that experience there at Stanford?
3: Resiliency. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the biggest one because I almost quit my junior year. I, mm. I, I I had a really, really hard time with Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be just flat out honest. Like, mm-hmm. And a lot of us did. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Jim was, um, at the time, he was really trying to establish himself as a coach, and so he was a hard ass. And he, he made it really hard on a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't think how he handled himself in that time was, was great, mm-hmm. positive. But I am grateful for that experience because it taught me a lot, mm-hmm. right? Taught me a lot about resilience and understanding that there's going to be some situations where just shit is out of your control, and you just got to put your head down and grind until you get to a, a brighter day. Mm. And I did that, you know, albeit I almost quit because I, I mean, it was it was a hard time. I called my mom. I was like, look, whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do, I I can't be here anymore. Mm. And, you know, she kept pushing on me and kept pushing on me to stay. And I ended up hanging up on her. Mm. And she remembers that to this day because she, you know, she reflects on it now. She's like, I was so worried about you. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was it was it was a hard time, I would say, then my junior year. But in totality, when I zoom out and think about it it as in full experience, it was one of the greatest experiences I've Mm -hmm. ever had in my life Mm -hmm. because I'm going from Pensacola, Florida to Palo Alto, California completely different world totally yeah. different completely oh, yeah, different world. Yeah, really. yeah. it was a culture shock i get there and we're, so we're the um we're the early arrivals. so we're in the dorm rooms before the regular students mm-hmm. get there mm-hmm. and so i had a little bit of time to get adjusted but then the, stu- the students get there and like man stanford is like you have people from all over the world yeah. mm-hmm. who are incredibly intelligent incredibly yeah. intelligent and made me feel like I didn't belong mm-hmm. all over again. Like that imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 It was yeah. heavy, heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process, I'm like, nah, I'm going to prove y'all wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's that like, I need to find that safety and feel comfortable and feel accepted. Yeah. And so I grind through that. And then, you know, even pushing through, um, that stuff, my junior year and being able to come back my senior year and play, mm-hmm. uh, that just, you know, obviously it added to the mindset of like, I'm capable of doing whatever I put my mind Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a beautiful experience. And I would say the, the thing that, that I pulled from that experience the most was resiliency.
2: Definitely, man. That's powerful stuff. Yeah.
3: That's Um,
0: powerful. So like, uh, how did you balance being a student? (laughs) I did. (laughs) not I didn't. didn't.
3: Um, I I mean, I'm gonna be straight up honest. I was a terrible student. I, it's it's really hard to do yeah it's really yeah. really hard to do and mm-hmm. i don't i don't know how some students do it i yeah. really don't yeah you know I, if i could go back i would do th- some things differently i don't know if the outcome would be different but mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. would do some things differently um but it was really really hard yeah um yeah i i didn't do as well as i would have liked and i constantly think about going back to school mm. i want to at some point but it's just not in the cards right now but um yeah, it was it was definitely I didn't balance it. Oh, yeah, it's tough, no, it's, I, I,
2: but it's, it's tough, though, man. Like, yeah, because um, we went to we went to Washington State University. And um, yeah. I remember speaking to one of my friends who played on the football team. And he was just telling me how, like, they would always encourage the athletes to go with the whatever is the most least resistant or easiest. Yeah. Kind of education. Yeah. The football majors. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. football majors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And so that in itself, like, I think that also kind of plays a role in, you know, kind of steering steering people into directions that maybe they they don't want to go into but they're being told you know because you're kind of getting guided there um so I, I think there's a lot that plays into it that people don't realize yeah
0: um real. th- that factors in I yeah just, I, I bring that up just because i mean i wasn't even an athlete you now it was hard for me so I, <laughs> you know i would be looking at you guys like damn yeah, that's true true like when yeah. do you guys sleep you know what i mean so yeah yeah No, it was. I mean, it was. It's
3: always going to be a challenge when you are in an environment that is new to you, and then you're trying to figure out, like, okay, you know, how do I get to practice on time? How do I get my schoolwork done on time? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was a challenge, and like to your point about it pushing you down a path that you may not have wanted to go down. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it kind of felt that way. Looking Mm -hmm. back on it now, it kind of it felt that way. But I'll say this: like, now that I'm removed from the football sphere, right, um, I'm looking to prove myself again, Mm -hmm. right. And that, and now with the, with the tool belt of knowing that it's okay if I don't feel safe in this environment because mm-hmm. I'm still safe, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've I've worked through that unpacking that childhood trauma to to be a get to a point where that motivation can now be healthy, yeah, right, yeah. And now I'm in the business realm, and I'm attacking all those same elements, applying yeah. all these those same elements to the business arena, yeah, you know, like yeah, <laughs> you know, just. It, it, there's a lot of mindsets out there like, Oh, you're an athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know? Like I'll share a story with y'all so I have a good friend who came from Stanford with me. He actually was out here and got him a couple of jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I always felt unsettled about him for some reason. And I think what it came down to and we had a fallen out here probably two years ago, a year and a half ago. And what I what I came to find out is that he never respected me as a as a like a businessman. Mm. He only saw me as an athlete. Mm. You know, I, I I felt that from him at Stanford, like, Oh, you're just here because you're on scholarship for football. You're mm. not really here as a student. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was here as a student and you know, that, that motivates me to be like, nah, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that still sticks with me even to this day. But I'll say this, I think about it in a, in a more healthy way, right? Mm-hmm. Like before I'd be really vindictive yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, and want to really rub it in his face. Yeah. But now it's like, nah, thank you for that motivation. Thank you for pushing me in a direction. Thank you for revealing something to me that I didn't know and realize before. Yeah. And even though you were wrong, yeah, I'm still grateful for that experience that I had. And I hope that it, it impacts you just as much as it impacted me. Yeah. You know? So I'm having a healthier mindset about yeah. it. But to your point, yeah, it does push you in a direction that sometimes you don't want to go.
2: Yeah, but that's that's a good point too cuz I'm one of my biggest like mantras is like lead with empathy. And I think what that taught me is like regardless of what someone else may or their perspective may be, um you 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 lead with empathy first and then you're able to understand okay, you just don't have context. Yeah. Right? You're just missing context. And yeah. I think a lot of people out here are just missing context. Yep. You know, and when, you, when I look at it from that mm-hmm. perspective, I'm like, all right, cool. It yeah. ain't me.
3: Yeah. It's you. I think about that all the time, playing basketball at L.A. Fitness, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah, get, yeah, We get some new cats coming in, and, like, they they exude this behavior, this personality. I'm just thinking to myself, like, what did they go through in their childhood that made them like yep. that? Mm-hmm. Yep, you know, yeah. Like, I don't want to get mad at them. I don't want to hate on them. I don't, yep. you know, which is my natural tendency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I try to lead with empathy, lead with empathy and empathy, think, man. okay, what's going on in their lives that's yep. making them respond this way, yeah. you know, and then that way at least I feel like I can respond a little bit better. sometimes. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that's kind of been a practice I've been, I've been utilizing and it helps to just deal with people, even like not only just conflicts, but just in general. Yeah, um, for sure. So, and thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's going to help a lot of people um, in terms of who are currently maybe being in college right now. Um, even not, not being an athlete, but just being a student. um yeah. so It's going to be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, now when you arrive to Seattle, right. And, mm-hmm. and, your, your journey was a little different, right? Um, coming out of Stanford and and being undrafted. And I think that's an experience in itself. Um, so my question is when, and we've, we've actually had someone on the show who who went through that experience as well. Um, but I think it's different for everybody. But my question is more so, how does one stay like mentally engaged and locked in and focused, um, when your name is not called on the draft board? Like, what was that, what was that experience like for you?
3: It was devastating. Mm. Um, I remember exactly where I was, who I was with. That guy that I was telling you about the friend from Stanford, mm-hmm. he was there with me. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend at the time, we were at this Mexican restaurant across from uh, across the street from where I was staying. And it was, you know, the 3rd day of the draft. Mm-hmm. And I just see all these names rolling off the screen and it's not my name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my I had my phone ready. <laughs> I got a call from our I, I didn't have our uh we had a new punter that came and he uh he transferred I didn't have his number saved in my phone, but mm. he called me, and I thought it was an NFL team calling me. I'm like, "Hello, hello," <laughs> and he, uh, gosh, uh, Zelensky, Zelensky, I think, I said, yeah, Z, and uh, he was like, "Hey, Z, yada yada, yo, can trying to ask me for something?" I was like, Man, leave my phone alone, <laughs> and I hung up on him. Right? I regret that because I, I felt bad about that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, no, I was, you know, I had been playing since I was six years yeah, old. Yeah, for know? sure, for sure. And you get to that point and you're like, I'm for sure getting my name called. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't get that experience. And I, I cried. I cried for like, it was like two and a half hours, three hours after that, I was just stayed in the Mexican restaurant (laughs) lady came and brought me some extra tacos. Like it was, it was devastating. And then it was in the lockout period. Mm. So after the draft, the teams can't talk to you. Mm, So even if you were, you know, if they wanted to bring you in as an undrafted cat, Mm -hmm. they couldn't talk to you during that time. The only reason why I had a connection to Seattle was because Sherm got drafted and Sherm Mm -hmm. was one of my best friends at the time still is obviously. But, Mm -hmm. um, so he was talking to the coaches cause he had already been drafted mm-hmm. and then he was relaying those messages back to me. So we were going back and forth and it w- it came down between San Diego cause I wanted to, my girlfriend at the time, you know, just being dumb minded, young minded at the time, wanted to be in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So glad that I came up to Seattle, but that was, it was a difficult, um, it was difficult. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still blessed to be in that situation. for sure, For sure. Right? For sure. But as a, as a, you know, a kid with the aspirations of, like, first and foremost, walking across yeah. the the, um, the stage to mm-hmm. get your jersey mm-hmm. from the commissioner. Like, that would have been yeah, ideal, yeah, right? Yeah. But at the very least, just hearing your name called. Yeah. I didn't get all, any of that. So when I did get the call to come, which was, like, it was literally, I think it was three days before training camp began. So, mm-hmm. you know, the lockout ended, and we had three days. Mm-hmm. And so, sign with Seattle, and I came up here with literally, like, three pairs of clothes and two shoes. Wow. Wow. Two pairs of shoes. Cause I, you know, I'm like, it's is all I got. So yeah. I'm just either, to I'm gonna, either I'm gonna make it or yeah. I'm gonna be on a flight back to Florida here yeah. soon. Yeah. Um and you know, I'm still here. Look, <laughs> nah, man, you're clear. talking now. <laughs> that
2: that's that's powerful because I think a lot of times people can learn from that, you know. Um, yeah. not just being an undrafted player, but just in general, right? That, like sometimes things just don't go our way. Yeah. Um, but it's about how you maintain the the mentality of saying okay yep. what's next yeah how do we continue how do we move forward nothing that's is, important
3: that's exactly what it was it was what's next mm-hmm. right so I got the call came up to Seattle again like I was just I'm here to work right and so I got on the field and I'm like I don't care who's in my way just get out of my way yeah. like I'm I'm yeah. here to prove that I belong and like you know like I remember having conversations with Marshawn that very first week we're there and like you know Marshawn's he, he's already kind of you know, he's already established himself, but I didn't care. You going to respect me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you don't want, if you want me to earn my, uh, I'll earn it, yeah. but you better give it to me. Mm. You know, I'm going to demand it. Yeah. And, you know, that got me in trouble sometimes, <laughs> to be honest. But um, yeah. that's that was the mentality that I came here with. And, again, I'm here talking to you.
2: Yeah. No, I I love it, man. I love hearing it because I think this this is the context people need to know in terms of what it takes to, build out a career first and foremost you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: so uh man like going into your first NFL game like what was your mentality what were your feelings like <laughs> uh the uh regular season or preseason
3: um either or well, I'll do both so preseason um I was a little nervous right of course a little nervous but I, I felt comfortable enough confident enough in my abilities like I belong here mm-hmm. right and then there was some guys on the um on the other team, I think we played the Broncos the first, that first game. Mm. There was some guys on the other team that I had knew from college. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, I know I can play against that guy. Right. So I I felt a little bit of confidence. And then through, through preseason and through training camp, like I just, I got really, really confident. And then the first, the first game of the year regular season was against San Francisco and Jim Harbaugh Mm. was the new coach. It's like a movie, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and ironically, and I, you know, I say this ironically because, um, two of the guys that were in front of me, they got hurt. So Sidney Rice was hurt, and then mm-hmm. Deion Butler was hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I had to play that game. I was going to play a lot more that game. And I caught a pass from T-Jack and took it to the house, a slant, took it to the house with a 69-yard touchdown, mm-hmm. right, against mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Oh, man. As you can imagine, like, I felt really good about you love, myself. you love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it. Yeah, the frustrating thing is we lost that game. Uh, we did lose that game. Yeah. So that was frustrating. But I do I, – I'll say this. I remember two things from that game. I remember the touchdown. I also remember come running down on kickoff, special teams, and I'm running by myself, right? And they tell you, like, if you're running by yourself, if nobody's blocking you, you better look out because yeah. somebody's <laughs> coming to smoke you, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is my first game, so I didn't know. So I'm running down there. I'm, I probably was smiling, thinking yeah. I'm about to make this tackle, and I don't remember what happened next. I just remember, <laughs> getting, I remember getting up off the grass and seeing a guy run past me, and the other guy was on top of me yelling. I'm just like, damn. Well, it was my welcome to NFL. <laughs> yeah. like the very first regular season game. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. Nah, yeah.
2: that's 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 interesting because um, I was I was also curious about this. and I think a lot of people will probably be curious. What was your first impression in terms of like the group of guys and team you had around you, like in those first few years? Because hmm. honestly, man, like the culture you guys went on to create is you, a- historical, right? Thank you. But man. in that moment, you know, it was like coming in, like, who am I dealing with? Yeah. Like, you know, what was that like? What was your impressions on them?
3: Um, Well, first and foremost, I I always get uh, my boy, G. Scott, he always argues with me about this, but um, I will say this. Pete Carroll, right, he allowed the foundation to be built. Mm. A lot of coaches don't do that. And so I want to give him proper credit for that. He allowed us as Mm. players to be ourselves. Mm. Now, yes, we did stretch some boundaries and test some boundaries, right? Mm. Um, But he was always willing to be positive with us and Mm. communicate with us. Now, you know, I I'll say he didn't always do everything right. He ain't perfect. Yeah. But I give him a lot of credit for allowing the fa- foundation to be laid because mm-hmm. you got guys like myself, mm-hmm. Earl Thomas, yeah. Cam Chancellor, Richard yeah. Sherman, yeah. right? Guys who were just like, I don't care if you're first overall draft pick. Yeah. I don't care. You're going to yeah. have to prove to me that you belong here and that you are part of our family. Yeah. 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 And that's the mentality that we had. Mm-hmm. And I in that we brought we had that at Stanford, right? Okay. It was it was kind of a dog eat dog world at Stanford for us and so when you had <laughs> we all had a common enemy at Stanford. I'll mm. say that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we all galvanized around that. And so we brought that Sherman, and I brought that kind of emotion to to seattle i felt like and then you had cam and earl who are already here and then obviously marshawn mm-hmm. who are already on that mindset yeah. and then not to mention the d lineman um red Bryant, mm-hmm. right uh uh mebane like <laughs> we had dogs yeah yeah dogs who demanded um that you earn it yep you know, it yeah. didn't matter who, if you were first round draft pick or undrafted, yeah. you had to earn it. Yeah. And I loved that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was such a real culture. You yeah. know, it was like, yeah. it wasn't built on, um, how many followers you have on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, You know, it wasn't yeah. built on that shit. It was yeah. built on like, who are you really yeah. as a man? Yeah. You know, and we called you out if yeah. you weren't, if you weren't being real, if you weren't being honest about, you know, your shit, we called yeah. you out and it was, it it was just beautiful man i just i miss it yeah. i miss it you know yeah. and it was yeah. uh we do too oh. <laughs> we show. Yeah. it was an incredible experience it was yeah. an incredible experience and i i i, I shared this on a, a, a G scott's podcast of other day he's like you know, how do you get back to that and i said, you can't replicate that that's yeah, nah. that is a lot of childhood trauma mm-hmm. right human <laughs> trauma that mm-hmm. was all put in one place at the perfect time like mm-hmm. they hit lightning in a bottle and mm-hmm you can't replicate that and I don't I don't think you should replicate that because you don't want those children to go through that same yeah. cycle right yeah. you want them to be better and healthier that's not to say that you can't win you yeah, can yeah. still win it's just yeah. do it a different way do it a healthier way
2: no definitely and I think I think what you what you what you mentioned about Pete Carroll's kind of um, approach um, when we had Cliff Averill on the show he said the same thing in terms of how some coaches most coaches in the NFL is very militant their right? way or the highway yeah, yeah. um and I think that's that's key, man. Sometimes you gotta let people be who they are, um, and you know at the end of the day you'll figure it out. But you'll figure it out together. Yeah, I mean, right? think
3: about it. We're, we're kids. Yeah, yeah. We we're kids coming into the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, you you, we just talked about this. Like, I I I was in college trying my best, right? But I was I was focused on football, mm-hmm. and so you when you're and focused on football and, you know, to some degree, lower degree, but in survival mode, mm-hmm. right. You don't have time to focus on the other stuff. Yep. And so you 22 years old coming into the NFL with a lot of freedom, a lot of you know, just the world at your feet. And it's mm-hmm. like how how do you manage this? Yeah. yeah. And you gotta have some people in your corner who allow you to be yourself yeah. and work through that, but yeah. also put up the guardrails so that you don't go too far left or too far right. Yeah. And Pete did that. And he had some incredible people in the building who did that. Shout out to my girl Kelly Creedon. She's mm-hmm. an amazing person. Michelle, mm-hmm. our nutritionist, um, our Co- our training staff, Coach Carlisle, our mm-hmm. um, our treatment people, our athletic trainers, um, Strict D, Rich um, Tank, like you know, we I'm naming people that people don't even Eric sure. Kennedy, Chad, mm-hmm. Drew, um, D, like just yeah uh, yeah, uh, man it's, it was unsung it, heroes yeah yeah it for was sure. it was a culture it was a family yeah you know yeah. and we all respected each other we all demanded quality and excellence from each yep. other. And we all loved on each other when, you know, when we had our hard times, it was honest, it was curious, and it was graceful. It was forgiving.
2: Nah, it's showed, it's bro. And yeah. I definitely I definitely think it bled into the van base, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, oh, we I felt, know. We felt that. I know. Yeah, for sure. I know. yeah I know. I know. I know. It's still to this day. Yeah.
3: You know, I feel it even it, it, in the stuff that I'm doing out in the community now, mm-hmm. whether it's in philanthropy or in business, like, I feel it. Mm-hmm. And people are still craving it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And being able to be know what that is and have mm-hmm. been a part of it, and then to be able to bring it into these spaces, yep. that's really, really powerful. It's yeah. a privilege that I have. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah.
2: No, definitely. Um, and I'm, I'm also curious um, in playing wide receiver, um, like with Russell Wilson, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you know he was in there too. Everybody's trying to make it. Everybody's trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Um, but how did you go about developing the hist- or the chemistry, I should say, with, with Russ? Because I think that's something that maybe fans don't really know about. Like, how do how does a wide receiver and quarterback build that chemistry outside of kind of the X's and O's?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a process. And mm-hmm. f- for me, because I was one year here before Russ got here, mm-hmm. right, um, we had kind of established this culture and knew where we were going. And so really it was like, okay, we had to integrate Russ into it and then figure out where he where he fits in, mm-hmm. right, and then just kind of how Pete did, just kind of let him grow into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really what it was. Like, you know, he, he – he played the game a certain way. He liked to scramble, mm-hmm. right? He liked to, when plays would break down, he would spin out of it and try to make something happen. Mm-hmm. And you had to be in tune with him yep, in that. Yep. You know, if you weren't, you weren't going to get the ball. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you know, as a receiver, I want the ball, yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. going to figure it out. Yeah. And so that's that's really what it came down to, is like letting him kind of set the table and then saying, okay, how can I, you know, th- how I speak now, the language I say now is like, how can I serve you, mm. right? How can I... Do what's best for you in this moment, um, and so that's really what it came down to. And you know, obviously he was a great quarterback and still is, but mm-hmm. he 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 kind of allowed that to happen yeah. as well, mm-hmm. right? So we f- we fed back and forth with each other, um, and it was a it was a great relationship, It was a yeah. great partnership on the field, and yeah. uh, obviously it worked out.
2: Yeah, no, definitely, man, definitely. I mean, it showed, and yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm just always curious about that because I think that's that's important, like building that chemistry, but also understanding what works for you, what works for me, and then yeah. we'll go make it work together. Yep. That's good.
0: And then uh, I kind of wanted to ask, uh, like, how important um, is it to pretty much be prepared for a game compared to, like, I don't know, the NBA, MLB, to where they're playing every day, so sometimes yeah. it's easy to check out, you know. Mm, but, yeah, like, in the NFL, you got to be on your P's and Q's every week, you know, yeah. so.
2: You only got 16.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: You know. I mean, I, I don't know, because I didn't play in the NBA, right? I didn't, yeah, I didn't play yeah. it in, in – so I don't know what that's like, but I'll tell you this: in the NFL, like it was, um, it was a lot of energy, mental and emotional energy, exhausted at the, before the game, and then obviously at the end of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like we'd have games, and I get home at ten o'clock at night, and like my body's so beat up, so I do all the rehab stuff, do all the stuff to kind of like get my body settled, but then my mental is still going, and I can't go to sleep until three o'clock in the morning, yeah, you know? yeah, and that was constant yeah. because you got so much adrenaline going through your body. Um, and then you you're you know before the game I'm kind of like putting this highlight realm in my head of like what I'm gonna do going through my keys and my reads with against that specific player that I'm that I studied or s- players that I studied that week and then after the game you're reflecting on the game mm-hmm. yeah. like, I could have done this better I should have done that or that was a hell of a catch mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. Y- mm-hmm. you're going through all of that stuff and you just your body just it's there have been veterans who have told, when I have expressed this to them, they said it's very similar to their experience in war, mm-hmm. right? I'm not saying it's related to yeah. war. Let me let, let me be very clear yeah, about yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, there's, and I think there's an emotional attachment that's very similar to that getting up and then coming down off of that. Mm. Um, it was, it's, it's, it's a powerful feeling. So yeah. I don't know what it's like in the NBA, yeah. right? Because I can imagine you're playing 72 games or whatever it is yeah. now, like, you know, it's, it's hard to get up for all those games. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I can imagine that. But yeah. In the NFL you got it was a seventeen it's now. seventeen, right? Yeah. But that's all you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every one counts. Yeah.
2: No, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good insight. Um now now I wanna I wanna touch on um what was the score? Forty three eight, right? Forty three eight, right? Forty three eight, that's right. Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the Super Bowl win, man, in that season, magical season, amazing season, amazing run. Um the I guess from that entire season and run to not only to go out and win it all, right. But not only win it all, but also silencing some very, very, very loud mm-hmm. and sometimes disrespectful critics. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> yeah. What, I guess, what do you take away the most from that season and run when you reflect on it?
3: Family, right. family. That's all I, that's all I can remember. It was hard. It was really hard. We had a lot of um, internal problems as most families do. Right. But we managed them to the best of our ability. And when I take a look, Back on that, reflect on it now. Like, it was just family, you Mm -hmm, know. mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I had a really hard time with Percy Harvin. Mm. Really did. Um, I love him to death, though. Because, to be completely honest with you, I don't know what his problem was with me. Mm. And, you know, I I mean, I kind of do. I'm I'm, I'm a certain kind of way. I'm Mm -hmm. a dog, you know. Like I said, like, I'm here. And you're going to have to deal with me. And Percy was the same way. Mm-hmm. And I love that about Percy. And so we went head-to-head a lot of times, you know, just because we were competing. Um, I know he he mentioned, I think it was a couple years ago, like, you know, we got into it and he actually apologized, mm-hmm. right, on a podcast. And, like, I respect Percy as a man for that, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of men can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for Percy because he taught me a lot. Of, like, he, he don't know this, but he taught me a lot of lessons in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for him. Um, but you know that's that's what I think about it now. It's like family, mm. yeah. family, man. Sounds like family. It was for real. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely. family. It was definitely family. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's big, man. That's big. Um, and I think, um, and um, me and Ern were talking about this earlier, where I feel like sports is one of the best metaphors for life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for mm. for you, you have the privilege and honor to have experienced, um, obviously playing in back to back Super Bowls, but um, and I guess in reaching a mountaintop. Um, but then having two different outcomes. Is there anything that you can kind of take away from that experience that may have, I guess, spilled in or bled into your life that maybe mm-hmm. helped you or benefited you or gave you some perspective?
3: Wh- which, which one are you talking about? The loss, are you talking about? The, the
2: the win and the loss, I guess I ha- kind of experiencing both of those.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just life. Mm-hmm. Right. I think for us in that moment, like it felt like the end of the world when mm-hmm. we lost that Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was because that, that was our life at the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now as an adult with two da- with a married and two daughters and a third on the way, like that's life. You yeah. don't mm-hmm. go through ups yeah. and downs. You're going to yeah. deal with struggles. And the real question is how do you respond to it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and. Yeah, there's a lot of things in life during that time that I did not respond the right way, mm-hmm. and even to this day, like there's things that I don't respond. With. I mean, I'm sure you know you're gonna put out this podcast. Someone's gonna be like, "Oh, you didn't say the right thing." Right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I know I probably didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm human. I'm Can't trying to navigate, I'm right? trying to navigate yeah. this world myself yeah. too. Right? Likewise. Likewise. Um, but at that time, like, yeah, that was um, it. Was it was our only focus, and so now as a father, I'm thinking about like, you know. Like, my daughters are getting to a point now where they're kind of like, they're telling me what they want to do, right? And then I can only imagine what's going to happen when they're in middle school, about to go into high school, when they're in high school. And I'm just, I'm like, dang, that's that's what God wanted me to deal Mm -hmm. with. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful and blessed. But at the same time, like, I know that there are things that I'm going to be experiencing in life, especially with my daughters that are just out of my control. Right? So then I ask myself, what is in my control? Mm. And what is in my my control is how I respond. And I know the answer is always love. It's always love, yeah. So if I do that, right? And those are the lessons that I think football taught me. Mm -hmm. What you said is like it's a a perfect analogy for life. Mm -hmm. The resiliency. If you can find a way to answer the call every time, whether it's a high or a low, Mm -hmm. if you can answer Mm -hmm. that call in the right way, Mm -hmm. you're going to be all right. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the outcome, regardless of what happens, you're going to be okay. That's right. And I think about my daughters. There's going to be things that my daughters experience in life that I I can't protect them from. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. There's things that I went through in life that my mom and my dad couldn't protect me from. You know? hardship. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, as long as my daughters know that I love them and that they know what love is, mm. no matter how dark it gets or no, no matter how bright it gets, yeah. they will be, they will be safe mm-hmm. and they will be humble mm. because they know what love is. That's real. They know what the sacrifice is. And that's if they real. know that, then I've done my job. I tell my wife this all the time. She jokes with me. Cause like, she's like, you don't put me first. I do put my work, my wife first. Like That's my faith. <laughs> yeah. But I tell her all the time. I said, if my daughters are joyful. I've done my job. Yep. Because if my daughters are truly joyful, that means that their mother is truly joyful. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's so if real. their mother is truly joyful, then I'm good. That's I, I've done my job. Bars.
2: Right? Gems. Bars. Take them For notes, real, man. man. <laughs> 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 well, those are life theories right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um now um I actually you you touched on it earlier um in terms of obviously transitioning out of football and kind of um retiring um and that's that's a that's a process in terms of closing uh, uh, what what I see as an elite historical career, right? Um, closing that chapter. Um, you actually in the process of doing that, you actually penned a letter to your younger self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was amazing, by the way. And, and one of my favorite parts from that letter was you said, "The end of one journey sees the beginning of another." Um, can you kind of elaborate on, on what that means? I mean, for some people, it might sound like what it sounds like, but I guess what what kind of went into that.
3: Yeah, so, uh, hmm. damn. Um, I've been playing football since I was six years old. Yeah. That's all I knew. You know, that was what my value in life was based on. Mm -hmm. Um, My entire family identity was wrapped around that. You know, every Saturday morning, Little League's. Games. Mm-hmm. That's where we were. That's mm-hmm. where my grandfather was. That's where my grandmother was. Where so my aunts, my uncles. Like, that's where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so leaving that felt like I was a leave. I was leaving part of that as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I was my grandfather on my mom's side. I was super close to him. He was there for every game. You know, helped build, rebuild the uh, the stadium at Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Right, the press box and the bleachers. Like, my grandfather was such an instrumental person in my life through football. Mm-hmm. And so taking a step away from that, like that was, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It was just the next, you know, phase of my life, the next journey. And it was really, really, really hard to do. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm telling myself in real time, like, look, even though this is the end of this journey, Mm -hmm. it's just marking the beginning of the next one. Yep. You know, so don't get too dark in this. Don't get too down in this. Yeah. Like, understand, like, yeah. that was a great experience that you had. Yeah, it was just one chapter of your life. Yeah, you got many more chapters to write, and so don't stop thinking about that. The narrative that you're telling yourself, but also the story that you're writing. That's real. You know, that's real. Um, and so I, I, I wrote that to my younger self, mm-hmm. but also to like, you know, I got a 13 year old brother who's coming up. Who mm-hmm. I'm, I am also mentoring and in ways that like in real time, like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm, I'm messing up here. Yep. I have no idea what this answer is, but I'm yep. going to let you go through it with me so that at least you have some context. So yep. when you get to this point, yep. you have the answers that I didn't have. That's important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it, so it's not just, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be younger anytime soon, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, anybody who's coming up who goes through that experience, they recognize like, yeah, it, yeah, it's hard, but you'll get through it.
2: Yeah, and and I I bring it up because I think it's, it's it's very inspiring, man. Because I think a lot of people um go through transitions, right? Like and sometimes whether it's your job, um, you know, sometimes you you attach that as like your identity, right? right. Um, and. But you wanna you wanna evolve, you wanna try and do new things and that can be a difficult transition. So I think sometimes um seeing it as that, seeing it as that, it's like, yo, it's a continuous it's a marathon, right? Yeah, or it's a nip, it's a marathon. So it's like you're just mm-hmm. starting a new journey, right? Yeah. Um so yeah, that that was that was a that was a powerful letter and I think um it definitely resonated with a lot of us
0: for sure. Yeah. Um so going into that, like what were some of the steps you took to kind of transition out of football and into like the rest of your life? uh
3: the first um the first thing i did was get a therapist mm. you know and i think even in our culture and our um with our people we don't really look at therapy as a as a as a tool yeah. as yeah. a resource yeah. you yeah. know and i didn't for a long time either my yeah. wife had to kind of force me to do it She, yeah. we got engaged and she told me i'm not getting married until we go through therapy mm. and, and marriage counseling together yeah. and we did and i i it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever been through because mm. really what it is, is just a mirror putting up in front of you to mm. reflect yourself mm. at you, you know, That's all of your blind spots, all of the things that you don't really see, yeah. right? Somebody's speaking life and truth into you mm. yeah. and then you have to deal with it. Yeah. And then to what I said earlier, yeah. it's all about how do you respond to That's it? Real. You know? Um, so I retired three days later, my daughter was born. So I had really no time to mourn, yeah. right? Like yeah. in a proper way. Yeah, I just had to go right into fatherhood, and as you and, and you know, I I don't know if you know most fathers even think about this, but like I was dealing with postpartum. Mm. You know, my my daughter was born, and now my whole world. Not only is my world changed, mm-hmm. my whole world is changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Like I'm done with football, and then I got a daughter, and I don't I don't I don't know the first thing. Yeah, to do with yeah. this baby, yeah. right? <laughs> 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 and. I mean, it was, just, it was, re- re- uh, yeah,
2: no, it could be, I could, I could see it as being it very was, overwhelming. It was yeah. very overwhelming. Yeah, and yeah. so
3: the first thing I did was get a therapist and still talk to her to this day. Mm-hmm. Now I have three. Mm-hmm. I have my pastor that I talk to every Monday. Mm-hmm. I've got our marriage counselor. We talk to once a month and I got a specialist who just focuses on me. Mm-hmm. Talk to him twice a month. Yep. Jeez, and dope. I mean, I- I'm blessed to be in a situation where I can afford that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I tell you, like it was, it's been the most impactful for me. And I know every time I come out of those sessions, mm-hmm. I'm a better person. Yep. You know, if I if I go a period of time without seeing them, I can feel like just I tell my wife it's like the devil's attacking me. Mm. I can feel I can feel the anxiety and yep. the negativity starting to creep in my my mind. That's real. And then that's when temptation pops up. Yep. That's when the, the negative thoughts pop up. Yep. That's when I need to go get affirmation from other places, right? Mm, but yeah. then when I come out of those sessions, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good and here's some things that I can work on and I see these I see the goals and how I'm gonna get there so then it's you know it's self-affirming yeah and I just feel so much better when I come out of this so you know out of all the things right I I got an incredible wife incredible family but therapy was one of those things that I will give credit to for sure that's powerful brother that's That's powerful powerful, man
2: I think um and I'm I'm glad that that is becoming more and more um I guess normalize if you want to call it that yeah. because mm-hmm. it's it's important, man. We're, we're nobody's perfect, right? Yeah. Um, and I
3: hope it does become more normalized. Yeah. Like I'm dealing with my mom. My mom don't want to do it, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. And I'm struggling with that right now, yeah. Yeah. Because I know that there's something deeper. There's something greater, yeah. right? And I I want that for my mom, like yeah. especially as a father with two daughters and a yeah. third on the way. Yeah, I need my mama. Yeah, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> no, that's real. I need my mama, and uh, so I'm. I just, I hope that that message comes through. Yeah. Let's normalize it. No, let's normalize sh- it. We definitely need to.
2: And I think, I think also just is normalizing, um, understanding that we're all works and works in progress. Yeah. And if you're serious about that, then you're going to, you know, you gonna do, work. you're going to do whatever you got to do to fix you yourself. Right. Yeah. Um,
3: but let me be clear about something though. Yeah. Not all therapists are good therapists, mm. right? Mm. There are some bad therapists mm. out there. Let yeah, let's be sure. honest. Just like there's some bad doctors, for just sure. like there's some bad police for officers, sure. bad yeah. teachers, right? There's, yeah. It, it, how you know if it's a good therapist is is their answer always love mm. if their answer is always love they are a good therapist okay and if you want to ask me what love is and we can go i don't how much time we got <laughs> um, <laughs> we got I'm a man of faith. Yep. When I say I'm a man of faith is I believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I know when I say that, a lot of people get offended sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. But when I, what I mean by that is I believe what Jesus taught. What Jesus said was love God with all your heart mm-hmm. and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that God that Jesus said we were supposed to do. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. So mm-hmm. all the other stuff, right, yeah. It's just basically the law saying that you can't live up to this or this is not right or whatever it is. Yeah. But he said what your job is to do is to love God with all your heart mm-hmm. and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe in right so if your therapist is telling you what love is mm-hmm. right yeah then that may be a good therapist yeah man mm-hmm.
2: definitely man it's powerful stuff brother um and i and i think i think i think there i think we're we're moving in that direction now where I think collectively there's a lot of healing going on. I think and, so too. And, and I think that's important. I think, you know, for those listening and watching, you know, start with figuring out what, what just makes you feel like you're healing at first. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, it, it doesn't, sometimes for some people it doesn't have to be therapy and, and, and that's fine, but just figure out what you need to do to, to get to a better place. Amen. Right. Exactly. Um, and then thank you for sharing that too. Thank you. Um, now I, I do want to kind of get into some of the, some of the, um, some of the current projects that you're doing, working on and I know I know they're I know I know they're busy but um <laughs> for good reasons and one of those is obviously uh the Family First Community Center right mm-hmm. uh which 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 is being built in Renton correct right, right. um and and what from what I was able to gather um it'll it's designed to bring quality recreation education and wellness programs and services for the underserved in the Rent community uh, my, I guess my question is, where did that stem from? Where did the vision stem from to say, hey, I want to build this, right?
3: Those words that you're reading right there, like that's, that's like the corporate got you. version. Okay, right? well, give, me, you, the, give me the... I mean, the, I mean you, 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 me you got to have that, right? Because yeah. it, it has yeah. to be explained. But really what it is is just a place for kids and families to come to be seen and got you. be loved. There you go. That's all it is. There you go. That's all it is. Where it stems from is I grew up in the back end of the Salvation Army where I was seen and where I was loved, mm. right? Um, and I know that the person that I am today... I wouldn't be if I didn't if I hadn't gone through that experience, mm-hmm. if I wasn't there at that place, right? That was that was like my second home. It made me feel safe. It made mm-hmm. me feel seen. I was loved there. Like mm-hmm. you walk in the door at the back of the Salvation Army and the guy sitting at the front desk, his name was Eddie Brown. You saw him every day. Yeah. Right? And as a little kid, I would come in there and he'd give me some candy. Right. Yeah. You know, kids want candy, yep. right? So yep. like he would always have snacks for us. Yeah. Always taking care of us. Yep. And he was the first person you see when you walked in there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You had Coach Bernard who was like he was kinda like the 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 military kind of yeah, guy, right? Yeah. Like, here's the rules, here's the standard. You're gonna you're gonna live up to them, yeah, right? Yeah, you're gonna live by them. Yeah. Um, and then we had Coach Lumen, who was the executive director, who was walking around and just like making sure everything was good and kn- knew all the kids by heart, mm-hmm. you know, by name. Um, and then all of our coaches, right? And it wasn't just these four walls. And I say this every time that I talk about the community center that we're building. Like, mm-hmm. It's an incredible facility, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's we're we're putting everything that you can think of. Uh, modern technology, modern experience into this facility, mm-hmm. but it's not just about that facility because yeah, exactly. it could be it could be a state of the art facility, but yeah. if the people in there don't really care about you, then it's not a safe yeah, place. That's right? real. So the people that we are hiring and that we're bringing and recruiting, the family that we're building, the culture that we're building yeah. in that, it's very similar to what we built in in, in with the Seahawks. Yep. Right, you're yep. gonna come. You're going to be seen. You're going to be loved. Mm-hmm. Here's the standard. Mm-hmm. Take care of our shit now. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah, facts. But you're yeah. gonna, when you come in, like, you're part of our family, yep. and I, I I, crave that. You That's know, right. even as an adult to, to this day, like, I crave that. So being able to provide that to the city that I now call, I, I don't want to say city, this region yep. that I now call home, mm-hmm. um, it's a beautiful thing. And I, 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 it has taken a long time to get to this yeah. point. Yeah. It's been over For eight sure. years to For get sure. to this point, but... You know, once those doors open, man, like, that's... That's that's monumental, that's man. That's me. That's me. Yeah. And, then, you
2: know, I th- one thing that really sticks out to me is, and, like, kind of, like, what our platform is built on is for the next generation, right? The stories yeah. we're producing for the next generation, and this is a contribution that's going to live on, right? Yeah. Way, after, way long after we're here, so... Yeah. One of the things,
3: one of the uh, lessons I learned um, is that a true leader builds a culture that holds the leader accountable. mm And if the culture is good enough, it remains even when that leader is gone, Mm. you know, as that's big. Yeah. You know, and I think about, look, we can say whatever we want to about George Washington, the first uh, president of the United States, but I think one of the greatest decisions he made was to have a term for presidency, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. You can't be a king. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, they established something Now, let's, let's be real. The United States has its issues, right? (laughs) But we're still standing to this day. Mm. The country Mm. is, is, you know, world renowned for good, for good reasons and some bad reasons, but it's, it's a work in progress. Right. And I think it was that it was that one decision that kind of sent us in this direction. And I, you know, I, I just resonate with that. And I want to build culture and I want to build, um, the, the leaders of tomorrow that continue to drive that culture so that when they, when, you know, the leaders that are com- that are young now, mm-hmm. that will be the leaders in the future, mm-hmm. when they're gone in the future, mm-hmm. the world will still be moving in the right direction. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. That's you know? real. That's what it's about. That's what yeah. it's about.
0: We definitely appreciate you for that, man. Like just the community engagement in the whole region, not just the city like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, you guys played football and, or you played football and, you know, we watched you guys play football, but when you guys go outside of football and start doing stuff in the community, it's like, I feel like that's where the real W is, you know? Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, For sure. No, yeah. definitely. For sure. That's where you know.
3: the, the the W that really matters Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: That's real, man. Um, and then, uh, I remember we spoke about this, but you guys, you and a um, couple of your former teammates, yeah. uh, Cliff, Cliff Averill and, and Michael Bennett. Yeah. Um, you guys have launched uh, Champions of Change, right? Nonprofit. Can you speak a little bit about kind of the the mission behind that, and kind of what what people can expect from it?
3: Yeah, it's exactly what you just said, right? So we're taking that same mentality, that same philosophy that we had that um, brought us so much success in the football world. We're bringing that to the philanthropic world, mm-hmm. right? So it's the mindset of like, um, I don't care if you are a multi-billion-dollar company, yeah. and you know, or a Company that's just getting started. Mm -hmm. Like, are you serving people? Mm. Are you taking care of people? Are you representing love? And if you are, then you have a chance to compete here, Mm -hmm. right? You have a place here. I like that. Um, And so that's what we're building, right? And so the organizations that we're supporting just this year, that's the representation. Gotcha. Um, This organization called Dads, Marvin and Jeanette, Charles, like, I I just, I I love them as human beings, right? Like, they have an, uh, an incredible story. And I'm, you know, again, not saying that they're perfect by any means, yeah, yeah, right? Not, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. 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 But they're just good people. They're trying really, really hard to make an impact in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I can support their organization so they can scale and do more of that, then that's a W, yeah. Yeah, right? Exactly. And so, yeah. you know, Cliff, myself, Mike B., we're coming together to sit, to highlight these organizations, mm-hmm. put some fun into it, right? Yep. Galvanize the the region because they recognize us as the former Seahawks, but mm-hmm. then being able to spotlight these organizations, and then show the impact that it's having you know if we do that continuously like that's i, I don't know what can that's happen
2: a for win, that. win 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 yeah. it it is. win win real <laughs> <It is. laughs>
3: and and the point you know it's i, I don't know what the outcome's going to be yeah right like yeah. we we know that even just in like, we haven't even raised any money for them but because they're being spotlighted just in the conversations that we're having yeah. things are being brought to them Definitely. right and so we know that they're going to be able to scale but the impact that they're going to have I'm I won't be on this planet to see that, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. I will I will be gone, but that's to me that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Right? Like that's yeah. the beauty of it. And
2: sometimes, you know, and I think sometimes people just like you said, just want to be seen or heard. Yeah. Right? Seen or heard. That's yeah. it, right? Like sometimes that goes way further than anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think what you guys are doing is like you said, putting that spotlight on people. Um, because there's so many people out here doing work, man, and um they're not going to stop doing work, <laughs> you right. know, but it's good to like be able to acknowledge and, re- and recognize them for what they're doing.
3: And we can always learn something from them. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a past. Everybody has something that they've learned that they can then impart on you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm perpetually curious. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, even that, that to me, that's, that's a, a benefit that I, didn't realize yeah. is that you know, we get connected to these people, <clears throat> and they're doing incredible stuff. I'm just like, like, how did you think of that? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like what what experience in your life yeah. taught you that that was the route to go? Because mm-hmm. I want more of that. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an incredible thing. It's I incredible. love it, man.
2: I love it, man. Um, and I did also see you guys are are you guys currently got um you got an event coming up to mm-hmm. help raise money and raise awareness, yep, right? Yep. Uh, celebrity basketball game, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that, we something all- like that. <laughs> yeah, we all got hoop dreams. Still. Is that is that what the L.A. fitness <laughs> runs been <laughs> for? Are you training for that game? Yeah, exactly,
3: exactly. We all got hoop dreams. So, no, nah, so um, the guys over at Climate Pledge Arena, Todd Logwicky, he's, he's a good friend, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we, we wanted to put something on that the region could, you know, get excited about, yeah. you know? Let's play basketball. Yeah. You know, we ain't had basketball here in a yeah, while. Like man, let's let's do it. It's coming now, by the way. Uh-huh. It's hey, coming. Come it's on. coming. It's coming.
2: If you know oh, something here, we man. don't know, you go ahead and tell us right now. I, d- I, d- <laughs> I d-
0: all I just the whispers. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The whispers. I like are, the whispers. The whispers are getting louder I like is it. what I'll say. Let's get it. When it
3: comes, I'm going to be courtside. That's, yeah. that's the la- <laughs> that's the, that's the only thing I want in life right now. <laughs> yeah, I just want them courtside tickets to the Sonics. <laughs> that's all I want. So anybody man. who's listening, you got the plug on that, hook me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> hook me up too, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, I ain't going to lie. <laughs> 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 no, nah, but June 26th, we're putting on a celebrity basketball game at Climate Pledge Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's just you know all the guys who – Played in the Super Bowl, who you know are either not playing on other teams or um, you know are still in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like we're you know inviting everybody out, but it's also just the community, just to come out, definitely hang out, you know, definitely. enjoy the basketball game, see some guys who you know, are way past their primes yeah. trying to play think some move. yeah. <laughs> But we got, a, we got a great group of folks. You know, Jamal's going to come out. I think IT's going to come out. Yes. Gary Payton's going to be a coach. Marshawn's a coach. Oh, um, Sherm's going to embarrass himself in the basketball court. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun.
2: I love it, man. I love it, man. Oh, no, man. I love it, man. I love that. I love I what pull I – Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah, definitely. I love that. I love that you guys are finding different creative ways to still stay engaged with the community, man. And yeah. It's beautiful to see,
0: bro.
3: So on on top of that, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. So the week before that, before the game, okay. June eighteenth, we haven't put it out yet. But I'm I'm throwing a community barbecue. Oh? Yeah. Hey. So my grandfather, he was he was big in barbecue. Okay. Like every family function that we had, he was barbecuing. And he to this day, there's still no better barbecue that I've tasted, Come right? On. Yeah. Um and I always remember that feeling, you know, like Get, you pull up at the house and like the barbecues in the backyard, mm. but you can smell it in the yeah. front yeah, yard. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you just like fix me a plate, yeah, and then fix me a plate for later because <laughs> I'm taking it home with me, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I wanted to do. So um, this year, earlier this year or the last year, I should say, um, United Way reached out to me and wanted me to be the chair for their um, their funding for the year. Amazing. Uh, it was and or it is, I should say. And you know, there's you know, there's to your point, like creative ways to work with different organizations. Yeah. And I told United yeah. Way, it's like, let's, let's do a community barbecue, mm-hmm. you know, let's bring everybody in the region. So it's mm-hmm. going to be at Renton Memorial stadium on June 18th. Okay. Um, more information will come out soon. We haven't put it out yet just cause we're still working out the details, mm-hmm. but, um, we're expecting to, like 4,000 people to come out and I'm bringing, you know, as much barbecue as we can. <laughs> um, there's going to be uh, tons of activities. Yeah. The Seahawks are going to be, be there. The Kraken are going to be there. Yep. Um, Kids Quest and uh museum in Bellevue. Uh dope group group of people. Like really empathetic when it comes to kids. Mm. Right. They're gonna have a big um activity center there. Okay. So just, you know, June eighteenth. We're excited. And and mm-hmm. it's ten dollars for a plate. Okay. But if you ain't got ten dollars, still come on. Yeah. Like we'll get you some food. I got food. you. Yeah, yeah, we'll get you yeah. some yeah. food. Erm say Ermsay you know I'll mean? pay for you. <laughs> <He's> crazy, <right? laughs> it's really it I mean it, it look it's really not about like we're not re- yeah, really yeah. raising money, it's yeah, not really yeah. about that. Yeah, and, for sure. Um you know, we, we want to try to raise some money. Yeah. But, you know, it just come. Yeah, yeah. man.
2: No, I think yeah. we need it too, man. I think I just think over the last couple of years, yeah. man, like it's it's you know, it's it's important that we yeah. all get back to just you know being um, in community. Being be in yeah. a community, man, right. and just enjoying enjoying life, man. Yeah. You know? And eat some good food. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah pass that up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you did you got any uh anything else you wanted to tap on? Um
0: no uh yeah I do kinda wanna talk about like the ventures you were kinda in mm-hmm. um uh you were a senior advisor for uh intellectual ventures yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so just talking about that experience what you were doing and yeah shout that. out
3: to my boy jerome hewlett he uh Incredible dude, he recruited me to come work at Intellectual Ventures when I retired. Oh. Black dude who has been in the business world for a very, very long time. He's one of the first black dude. I think he might have been the first black dude on in Wall Street mm-hmm. on, on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so can you can imagine he went through yeah. some stuff. And so mm-hmm. he was, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, he paid attention to me when I was playing, not just as a player, but like as a person. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I retired, I don't I, I don't even know how we got connected, but he reached out to me and. Um, he brought me in just to see the uh, the lab over there at Intellectual Ventures. I fell in love with it. It was mm-hmm. like Legos all yeah, over again, yeah. right? And but then also for this this man, this older man, to like truly see me, mm-hmm. right? And again, like I had no idea what I was gonna do. Like yeah. I'm kind of lost at this time. It's like you can do this, mm. and spoke life into me. That's real. And then told me, okay, you're gonna come over here. You're gonna advise me and this group on some things. Like just just share your perspective, mm-hmm. right? And I got in there. I was like, oh, I can probably hang with this mm-hmm. I could probably yeah. do this right mm-hmm. and then so I was there with them for 2 years and then in this past September one of the companies that we were that I had been advising for they needed a CEO cuz they were about to spin out and they asked me to take it over and I was like who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right like yeah. I what, what you mean yeah um you know it's a startup like I, I had I already I have my own business I'm yeah. like I'm I'm running my own business but like that's that's my business yeah. right yeah, you yeah, know it's like, yeah, yeah that's different yeah like, that's different this is so it was a little bit different, but I, I said yes, and so I'm running with that now. That company is called Ventric. Our main product is called Theracentric. What 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 it basically is? It's this intersection between home exercise programs, mm-hmm. um, engaging the patient to actually do their home exercise program, mm-hmm. and then collecting data to see what the outcome is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To uh, effectuate a positive outcome for the patient, which is a big deal because, especially coming out of the pandemic, yeah, you know, people are dealing with a lot of health issues that you know they need answers for. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not a it's not a fully um remote option, right? Like that's yeah. I know I'm going into details yeah, now, yeah, but yeah. it's I I I'm, I'm passionate about <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, I'm yeah, passionate yeah. about it yeah, because you, it. you know it, a, a lot of people right now they're building solutions that are just a uh, a fully virtual or digital experience for physical therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm a professional athlete, and I'm here to tell you that you're not going to remove the in-clinic experience from the patient's recovery journey. That's real. Right? Like that's real. Physical therapy is a skilled profession. You have to put your hands on the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're building our solution that's going to augment the clinic, expand their offering, and then these these new codes that came out earlier this year, they, they expand an uh, additional revenue stream, mm-hmm. and we were building for that. That's real. And so now we're ready to, to – I'm excited. Man. To the moon.
2: I'm excited. Yeah,
0: man. I, see, I I checked that out too. And I yeah. was just like, man, this is dope. He's the CEO of that too. Like, yeah. and then you know, it we kind of looked into it. It's you know, it's, it's not just it's not just the fact that it's a it's
3: a dope product, right? Because mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. But I get to work with a team that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that. I think that's the thing that I miss the most about yeah. the NFL. It's, a team. it's not yeah, it's not playing on the games. It's not you know scoring touchdowns. Even though those things are nice, but it's like that camaraderie that you have yeah. in the locker room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I get that with this team, mm-hmm. and they're all in. Like they, they're grinding, and they have the mentality. They have the right mentality. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I, I when I say right mentality, like I feel like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. From yeah. coming from a championship yeah, culture, definitely. Like, they have the right mentality. And yeah. so being able to get up every morning, work with them, go and solving hard problems, like, yeah. I just love that. I love mm. that, man. I love that
2: for, for you, bro. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Definitely, Thank you.
3: Me too. Thank oh, you. Oh, that's that's amazing, I appreciate man.
2: Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, look at you. Man, you <laughs> <laughs> I'm inspired, bro. For real, Definitely, man. man. Um, now, I know, I know you're busy. I know you, you got to go, but be- before we get you out here, we always ask our guests this question. Um, so if you can, my brother, what's one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up and why?
3: Faith, Mm. faith, um, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it pure joy because you know, when your faith is tested, when your endurance is tested, your faith has a chance to grow. Mm. So let it grow Mm. because when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect needing nothing. Mm. You think about that from a perspective as a father now, right? Like, there's things that my daughters go through that I will not be able to protect them from, as I mentioned before. There's things that that this world will present to them that are just things that I would rather them not be presented with. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have control over those things, right? We're going to go through experiences that are troubles. And James, the book of James, James tells us, he says, consider it pure joy. Because in those moments, your endurance has a chance to grow. Mm. And when your endurance and your faith is fully developed, you can go through anything mm-hmm. and be okay. You know? Like, I read books about people who were going through the Holocaust, right, being in that situation mm-hmm. and still holding on. And, and I forget what the name of the book was, but the guy said, he said, the people who made it, who survived, they believed in something greater than themselves, mm. right? the world sometimes can be a shitty place. Mm -hmm. It really can. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it that way, always negatively, you're probably not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you have something else that's bigger than you, that you can hold on to, right. Which right now is my daughters and my family. Right. um, You can survive it, Mm. you know, but to that point, there's going to be things that my, my family, my daughters are going to deal with that I don't have control over. And Mm -hmm. if I really, truly, truly want to protect them and love them, Mm -hmm. I have to give them to God. That's real. Because God is the only one who can protect them. And when I say God, I mean love. Mm-hmm. Right? If they know love, they will be okay. That's real. And the only way that I know how to demonstrate love to them in that way is through my faith. And so you ask me what word? It's faith.
2: Faith. Mm. Here you have it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it, bro. That's real, man. Um man, Doug, I mean, we can sit with you forever, bro. Honestly. I, <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy <laughs> I know this. Man. I know, I um, but, uh, again, man, we just want to salute you, man, and, and thank you. And give you your flowers, bro, for, for, for what real, you've man. done, what you've contributed. Um, appreciate that. I'm not yeah. done, though. I'm no, not definitely, done, though. definitely, mm-hmm. definitely.
3: And I hope you all have me back again once we get more, more yeah. stuff going. Oh, right. oh yeah, yeah, part two yeah, on the way. <laughs> definitely, bro, definitely. <laughs> I got a lot more stuff to
0: learn. Oh, definitely, yeah. man.
2: We're, we're excited. But we're honored to have you, man. And I know the people listening and watching, definitely, um, especially if they're from out here, they definitely thank you for what you've done. Um, definitely legend in the city for sure Definitely And we're super excited to see where, what the next journey is going to look like um, And you always got support with us here at the Up and Up, brother I mm-hmm. appreciate you, my Definitely, brother. man And with that being said, I think it's safe to say Doug Baldwin Jr. is officially a member of the Up and Up Can we get a
1: round yeah. of applause? Thank you, brother Appreciate
2: you Yo, what up? It's Rabino And this is DJ Ern. We hope you enjoyed that episode And that
0: now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the Up and Up To continue supporting the podcast and the entire Up & Up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe.
2: As well as follow us at underscore the Up & Up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the Up & Up has coming your way.
0: Thanks for listening, and until the next one,
2: keep it on the Up & Up.